People ask me, um, after 25 years, this year, SIBKL celebrate our 25 years. Okay, come on, let's give God a clap of things. In other words, we started in 1994, and 25 years is not a long time. Uh, we are not 250 years in like a big cathedral, or, 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 or the, you know, we are only 25 years. And in the, next, in the last 25 years, we have seen God leading us really into where we are today, what we are today, our influence, not necessarily only in Malaysia, but also outside the country. Many people ask me, Pastor, how did you lead the church? And my answer to them is this, Lanka Demi Lanka. One step at a time. And it comforts me to know that God has always led this church downloaded to me one step at a time. As I take the next step, God reveals what the next step should be. It's always been like that. One step at a time. Everybody say, Lanka Demi Lanka. One more time, Lanka Demi Lanka. In other words, one step at a time. As I began to seek the Lord last year, as to how and where we should go, not only for this year, but possibly for the next 25 years. Because this year is very significant. And I will share to you in a short while why 25 in the Bible is a very significant number. And I want to download that and translate that into our everyday life and in the direction of this church. I'll share with you in a short while why 25 is so important. But as I sought the Lord last year as to how to lead this church from this year onwards, the Spirit prompted me to remember what happened in 2014 when we celebrated our 20th anniversary. How many of you were here in this church in 2014? Can I have a hand? Praise the Lord, not all of you. Praise the Lord, it's only two-thirds of you because the church has therefore grown. It's terrible if all of you raise your hands, right? 2014, at the 20th anniversary, you will remember this. We honoured Jesus. We brought back the centrality of Christ into the life of the church. Now, it's not that we have forgotten about Jesus. But in 2014, I remembered that we spent the whole year with the theme, Jesus at the center of it all. And we came back again as a church to honor Jesus. And that it was, the whole church in BY had this over the whole auditorium, honoring Jesus. And the Spirit prompted me as I look at this picture again. Incidentally, this picture hangs in the wall of my office. Do the same. In 2019, as you step into this year, at the 25th year, honor me again. Bring the church back again to the centrality of Jesus Christ as Lord and Master of their lives of your family, of your workplace, and 
as an extended family of God in this church. And then the Spirit just prompted me, go one step further. Take one step further. Remember, Lanka, Dhami, Lanka. Take the next step, not only do we honour the Lord and bring Him back again to the centrality of our lives, but also now, take one step further, follow me. What? Follow me. And so the theme for this year would be together we follow Jesus. So the direction for SIBKL, not only for 2019, but from this year onwards, it may not even be only for one year, it could be for the next five or six years. And, and to follow Jesus, and the word together is very important. Why? Because the last couple of years, you would remember those of us, those of you who follow us, me in this church, is together we build God's kingdom. So we, we kept the word together. Why? Because it's only together we can do it. Alone we can't. Alone we can't. You and I cannot be a lone ranger. We need an extended family of God. Why? Because when one falls, the other is there to, 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 to lift you up. We must do it together collectively. So together, we follow Jesus. Everybody say together, we follow Jesus. Come on, say it one more time loud and clear. One more time. One, two, three. One more time. So this would be the focus for this year, beginning from this year rather, and I don't know how long it will take. But then the question therefore, if you follow through my thinking, you should ask me, Pastor, what do you mean? What does it imply? How do, what, what is it that you want from me? It's a cliche. It's a rhetoric. It's a statement. Together we follow Jesus. How do you measure that? What do you want to see in this church? What do you see in my life? Before I share with you what is the end product that I would like to see in every one of you and collectively as a church, let me share with you why. What does it mean to follow Jesus? One thing. Following Jesus is actually discipleship. Following Jesus is nothing more, nothing less than be willing to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. A follower of Jesus is a disciple of Jesus Christ. A disciple of Jesus Christ is a follower of Jesus. Why? Because if you examine Scripture, again and again, Jesus Himself speaks to separate individuals at different times and settings, only one word, follow me, follow me, follow me. And for three and a half years, 12 disciples followed Jesus. The model, looking at Him, doing everything that He does, the teaching, not only in word, but also in lifestyle. It encompasses not only pulpit teaching, it encompasses a total way that we conduct our life in your workplace, in your family. A disciple of Jesus Christ 
involves every aspect of your life. There's absolutely no dichotomy. That's a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so to Andrew and Peter and, and uh, to, to Matthew, the Lord just said to them, follow me. And they left everything and followed Jesus. In Matthew chapter 18, we read this very significant phrase, Jesus saw the crowd, fed the crowd, but then he said to the disciples. In other words, huh, there is an exception, a distinction between so-called crowd or the multitudes and the disciples. You feed the multitude, you disciple the field. This is Jesus' model. Follow me, Jesus says. So in other words, as we go into a track or a journey of discipleship in this church from this year onwards, let me unpackage to you what it implies. Yes, we will still teach on discipleship and mention it many times from our pulpit. That's the reason why you find me uh, referring to Matthew a lot. Because from this year onwards, we will be unpackaging the whole Gospel of Matthew from the pulpit. 28 chapters. You, you'll be blessed. So many parables. Jesus said this. His, his relationship with, with, with the rich young ruler and all that kind of things. The Sermon on the Mount itself. Is, there's so much wealth of truth in it. So you'll be blessed from the pulpit this year when we do Matthew, probably after Chinese New Year. One of the most significant statements by Jesus on discipleship is found in Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, amplified in another alternative version in Luke chapter 14, and is this. Jesus says, anyone who does not take up his cross and Follow me, same term, discipleship, is not worthy. Another version. Jesus says, anyone who does not take up his cross, follow me, cannot be my disciple. He tells me three things about discipleship. Number one, you must be willing. I cannot force you. I cannot drag you. As you hear me, in the direction we are going this year, somewhere in your spirit, man, there must be a desire, a hunger, to want to be disciple with all these implications. And I want to say this. Not only must you be willing, if I were to understand these words correctly, it's very serious because Jesus said, anyone 
who does not willingly take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. What? Cannot be my disciple. Therefore, if you are not willing, you are not worthy. Meaning, it is radical. It is radical. It is not optional. That's hard. That is where we are going. We want to go further. We want to plunge deeper. We want to rise higher in our faith in Jesus Christ. And, and I sense that many of us here, some of us here, in fact, most of us here, have been Christians for many years. There are some of you who have just been Christian for two weeks since Christmas Day. You're a new Christian. Some of you have been a Christian now for only a year. You were saved last year. Last year, we had 388 salvations in this church. Come on, let's give out a club offering. And our discipleship rate, in other words, assimilation rate is 70 over percent. In other words, 7 out of every 10 of you stay and go through our discipleship track. That's a lot. That's very good. But I want to say this to you. Whether you have been a Christian for a long time or a Christian for a couple of weeks, you must be willing to want to grow in the Lord. Can I encourage you, as we step into the new year, 2019, would you make a resolve, a determination in your spirit that this year would be different? Why? Because I don't want to go through the year just doing my thing as usual. No. What do I need to do? I want to put my foot down, desire to grow in the Lord, follow Jesus with all these implications and I will share with you what is the product that I want to see what is the KPI what is the product how do I know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ there are certain characteristics that I'll share with you in a short while but it takes a resolve a commitment on your part and, and, and when I say this and I refer back again to what Jesus says look it's not even an option if you are not willing you are not worthy Many years ago, not many years ago, maybe three, four years ago, I did a church camp in Singapore in a fairly large church of 6,000. And I did six sessions with them. And the theme for that camp was a radical discipleship. And I remembered and I regretted. Maybe I was influenced by the fact that I was talking to Singaporeans because they were so complacent. So I, I began to be almost apologetic, you know. Almost apologetic. That being a disciple of Jesus Christ is, is, is something that you decide, you choose. And, and almost, I, I superficialize it a lot. I've made a mistake. I've come to now realize that, radic that being a radical 
disciple is intrinsically built into the meaning of discipleship. Discipleship is radically intrinsic, intrinsically radical. Why? The second implication is very important. No one, anyone, Jesus says, who is not prepared to take up his cross, what does it mean? And follow me. You cannot be my disciple. You are not worthy. It is radical. All or none. Jesus says, no man, having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom. Am I fit? So that's why I regretted it in my messages to the Singaporeans. I diluted it. I watered it down. And as I began now to study and, and prepare to lead you into the next year and the years to come, the Spirit of God says, you are wrong, son. You were wrong. A disciple is radical. No man, having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom. Now what is that? What does it mean? What is taking up the cross? I don't know. I won't say persecution. Uh -huh. We haven't reached the stage in China yet. We have not reached the stage of the Chinese Christians yet. But it might mean sacrifice. It might mean being, being misunderstood. It might mean doing your business differently, kingdom way, with kingdom values. It might mean in your own personal walk with the Lord, you need to change. You cannot be a person that comes to church and then a separate person when you go to work. You cannot do that. In other words, there's a price to pay. It costs to be a disciple. Hey, you still want to join this church or not? Because this is the direction we are going. I'm not asking you to give up everything and, and, and follow. Don't do that. Huh? I'm asking you. From this year onwards, if the Spirit of the Lord leads us from the 25th year, which is a very significant year in the destiny and journey of SIBKL, if this is how the Spirit of the Lord wants us to go into, maybe last year we were not ready. Maybe two years ago we were not ready. Remember, Lanka, Demi, Lanka. Everybody say Lanka, Demi, Lanka. Everybody say step by step. So in the grand sovereign design of God, when the favor of God looks upon SIBKL, He sees a family, a group of people who is now ready, ready to be true disciples of Jesus Christ. And maybe there's a price to pay.
in your own way, I don't know what. I don't know what it means. But even as we begin to journey, we will learn together. That's why the third implication is very important. It is a journey, not a destination. That's why I said earlier, step by step. Lanka, Demi, Lanka. That's how God has been leading this church for the last 25 years. Step by step to where we are today in terms of our growth, in terms of our influence, in terms of what we are doing, in terms of the nation, in terms of the people being brought into the family of the church. It's always one step at a time. Why? Because it's a journey. Everybody say it's a journey. In other words, it is not a destination. But what's the difference? What's the difference between a journey and a destination? And, and I put this up to the leaders at our Leaders Advance in November last year when I brought forward this theme to our Leaders Advance in November last year. And so now I'm bringing it up to the entire church now. In the workshops, we asked the leaders to, to, to begin to dialogue and discuss in their own words what's the difference between a journey and a destination. Why? Because it's important to distinguish this because many of us feel that we have arrived, you see. There's nothing more, Pastor, you can teach me. I've heard it many times before. Tell me new things. Listen. Why do you ask God to reveal to you new things when you have not obeyed the... Wait. What has been revealed to you? So what's the difference between a journey and a destination? The difference is this. When you go on a journey, and discipleship is a journey, is that you have not arrived. None of us have arrived. You might think that you have arrived. You might think that all these things are new to me. More important is, have you applied it in your life? Where are you? A journey is progressive. A destination is stationary. You've arrived. You don't move anymore. In a journey, you're moving forward all the time. But when you arrive in your destination, you don't move anymore. And there's a reason why so many of us are stationary and we are in our comfort zone. We have stopped moving forward for the last few years. Why? Because we think we have arrived. The way you talk, the way you behave, you think there's nothing new. And that's fatal. Absolutely fatal. Because discipleship is a progressive journey and I'm asking you as I be the journey with me. So that from this year onwards, and I will share with you in just a short while, what is the end product that we want to see in all of you. But let me continue that when we go on a journey, it takes effort, it takes intentionality. You must want to move. I cannot pull you if you're so, so, so comfortable in your comfort zone. Remember, you must be willing. You must get up and walk. Lanka, Demi Lanka. One step at a time. And before you realize it, 
By the end of the year, you have moved forward. Whereas when you think you have arrived, you, you relax and you are comfortable. And many of us have been in that condition, spiritually, for years. So can I encourage you, as we step into the new year, in 2019, can we decide and determine in our spirit man that this year is going to be different? This year we want to move forward. And, 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 and when you're on a journey, you get inspired on the way, you see. But when you are right, you get retired. You think you're on a retiring mode. But when we're on a journey, there will be testimonies. There will be wonderful things. There will be excitement. Don't you think so? When you're on a journey, the scenery changes. Don't you think so? But when you've arrived, it's the same. Go to work. Come back. Go to work. Come back. That's it. Lah. There's nothing exciting in your spiritual journey with the Lord. Can I encourage you? Let's rise up and journey together. Everybody say, together we follow Jesus. One more time. Together we follow Jesus. With all the implications that I shared with you, you must be willing, it costs, and it's progressive. It takes intentionality. It takes effort. And my prayer is that all of us in this church, and God has brought you to this church. God has, by divine design, there's no, it's not by accident, but by divine appointment, brought you together from various backgrounds to this church. It's not that you will come a passerby or, or, or that kind of thing. No. Can I encourage you? This year, determine, determine, enough is enough. What are the results? How do you know that you have moved forward? How do I know as your pastor that you are moving forward? What is the end product like of a disciple? What do I want to see? Five things. As a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, these are the five things. And again, he shared it with the leaders and he talked about it in the workshop. Number one, how do I know that you're moving on? You love Jesus more and more. Hey, pastor, how do, I, how do you measure that? How do I measure that? I measure that by your love for the Word of God. Are you reading your Bible? Why? Because if you love somebody, you will want to spend time with that person, correct or not? It's, a, it's incongruous that you will say you love somebody and don't even talk to that person. Your prayer life. How do I know you love Jesus? Your prayer life. That's how I measure it. Your church attendance is not it. Well, I want the crowd. No. How important it is for you to carve out intentionally that two hours 
to spend in the presence of God, worshipping God together with all the saints as a family, hearing the word to grow. How important is it to you? It's important if you love the Lord, if you value the Lord, if you prioritize the Lord. How do I know that you love Jesus? You cannot say, I love you, I love the Lord, when none of these things are evident in your life. You don't read the word, you don't pray, you don't come to church. How do I know? Very important. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you, you love the Lord more. There is nothing, there is the, the, way, the things you say, the way you live your life, the way you conduct your life, tells me whether you love the Lord or He's just a total footnote, an adjunct. Secondly, how do I know that you are being discipled and you're growing in your Christian walk as you journey? There must be certain transformation in your character. There must be certain changes in the way that you are. Last time you were bad-tempered. Every ten words is a four-letter word. Curse and swear like blazes. You do things and people look at you and say, how can a Christian do that kind of thing? The way you run your business? The way you conduct your life? That must change. How do I know? How do I know? You must not only love the Lord more, you must be like the Lord more. The more you spend time with God, the more Christ-like you become. How do I know? When not only me, uh, look, don't, don't look, look. When you're, so there are two places, two realms, which there must be certain transformation in your life. Number one, your family. Why? Because these people are closest to you. You can bluff me, you can, you can act really, really good in, your, in, in, in the church, but back home, you are a monster. Back home, you f- scold your wife, you're, you're not a good father, you're not a good husband, you are a terrible role model to your children. What kind of disciple is that? So there must be transformation in your family. Secondly, in the workplace. In your workplace. The way you conduct yourself in your work. You must do a good job. If you're a student, may there hardly any students in this service. And I shared with the first service yesterday. There were quite a number of students there. And you notice that we, we emphasize a lot on generational ministries. Because young people matter to us. So I tell the young people, you, you, you must do well in your studies. You must be a good, good son, a good daughter. You must submit to your parents. You must obey your teachers. But most of you are in a workplace. It is in the workplace that, that your Christ-likeness is seen and maybe even judged. So how do I know your disciple? There must be a certain transformation from the inside out. Thirdly, I mentioned this already. 
you must have very strong spiritual disciplines and and you must want to do it in fact only this morning uh, 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 I was checking some social media and, 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 and one sister was encouraging another sister with, with a picture that she has started this year reading four chapters a day in the Bible so that she can complete the Bible in one year and she was encouraging another sister to do that and the other sister, yes, I will do that and that kind of thing so use your social media to encourage one another read the Bible and you have not finished reading the Bible at any one time, do it this year. Your spiritual disciplines must be strong. That's how I know, you see. That's how I know. These are the certain K- these are the KPIs, the measures. Fourthly, you must delight to serve the Lord. Ayah, Pastor, the whole life talking about serving. Look, serving the Lord is part of your discipleship journey. Correct or not? You, you, if you love the Lord, serving the Lord is a delight. It is not a duty. It is not a chore. You don't drag yourself to serve the Lord. You want to serve Him. Because why? Because you love Him. How do I know that you love the Lord? You serve Him with joy. It's a pleasure and a privilege to serve God. Do you think so? So how do I know? You serve the Lord in this house. And I'm, I'm, I'm prejudiced because I'm the pastor of this house, right? There are many areas that you can serve. Communion, men. Once a month. And if it is enough, we roster you once three months. Is it a lot? But don't you think it's encouraging for us, especially the young people? to see their father serving the communion? Don't you think this is an encouragement? Come on, let's give God a clap for me. Once every three months! Is that a lot? If not, same people doing it. We have four services. Same people doing that. And there are so many areas that you and I can serve. Two weeks' time, we're going to have a revolution in this church. Not a revolution, uh. a revolution. We will, we will, we will spread the net around, and and among other things that we will, there will be booths outside here as well as in BY, where we ask you to be ushers, traffic, connect crew. In other words, uh, hospitality and so on to connect with people, being the host and so on. Look, traffic marshals, you know. Some of these people in the, in, the, in the basement there, they are not nobodies, you know. They sweat like mad in the direct traffic. Some of them are CEOs. I remember that one state, Pastor Samkyong, was doing traffic marshal. Look, there's nothing. We need help. Volunteers, serve the Lord. Instagrammers, can you imagine we need Instagrammers? Because this is a new world. People, the Instagram, the social media, is it, is it important? Yes, of course. Photographers, video crew, and of course the worship team, musicians, etc., etc., etc. Look, listen. I did the promotion. Uh, two weeks in advance. 
But more importantly, is listen to me, friend. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. You know, there is one couple, I see them at the basement doing traffic, husband and wife. You know. And then next week, I see them ushering, following their program directors. And after that, their, their hospitality. I said, serious, huh? And I asked, I really asked them once, why? Uh? They say, because they love them. They love them. Listen to me very carefully. There are many talents here. Stop being incognito. Serve them. The fifth thing, always ready to share the good news. How do I know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ? Anytime in the office, you are ready to share the word, share the gospel, pray for somebody in the workplace. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16 says, In your hearts, set Jesus Christ as Lord. In your heart, make Him the Lord of your life. And then it goes on to say in, in that verse, Be ready always. Be ready always to give a reason of the hope that is in you, the NKJV says, with fear and trembling. The NIV says, with gentleness and um, respect. Absolutely. In other words, you don't drum it into people's throat. Huh? But when you ask, share. Right? So, but you must be ready always to give a reason of the hope that is in you with gentleness and respect, okay, and yet at the same time, keeping a clear conscience. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who maliciously slander you because of your good behavior in Christ will be instead be put to shame. Isn't an amazing verse? In other words, you live your life so congruous with the gospel, with the, 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 being a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ, that when people ask you, tell me why are you like that? Huh? How come you do your work so well? How come you're so honest? How come uh, you, you, you are like that, like that, like that? Huh? Wow. I'm so glad you asked. You share your testimony with fear and trembling because already you got to buy it. So that's a disciple of Jesus Christ. So let me summarize. Read this with me. How do I know that as we journey together as a church that I'm not even asking it to be seen by year end, maybe in the next two or three years, but remember, Everybody say Lanka Demi Lanka. Everybody say step by step. 
So I'm asking church to journey with me together. All right? So what are the characteristics? Number one, we love God. Number two, we have Christ-like character. Number three, there are strong spiritual disciplines. Number four, you serve the Lord with joy. And number five, and when you have all of this, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Not one out of five, huh? but you say, Pastor, okay, number, number one tick, number two tick, number, number five tick. No, it's not one out of five. It is five out of five. Remember, it is all a non-phenomenon. Either you are a disciple or you're not a disciple. You're not willing, you're not worthy. So my prayer this year, we journey together. If you agree with me, say aloud, Amen. One more time, Amen. Everybody say together we follow Jesus. One more time, together we follow Jesus. Now let me use the next five to ten minutes sharing with you three other highlights or events that will happen this year, all right, besides discipleship as we journey for two, in 2019. The first highlight is this. It's our 25th anniversary. Everybody give God a clap offering. Keep Sunday, 17th November free. Keep, it's going to be an awesome time. All right, we are going. To, I, we, we, we just decided just a couple of days ago to have it in this place. In auditorium, they can sit 5,000. All right, that place can sit 5,000. All right, it's a brand new thing that is. How many of you uh, know that this thing existed? 50% of you at most. In other words, half of you don't know that we have such a, such a facility. It's an awesome facility. It's brand new. It's only one year old. And uh, we're looking around the area. You know, they're developing that area big time. Huge! They're really developing the area big time, you know. It's in Mount Kera, incidentally. It's next to Paprika. There's a lot of parking and, and, and you can sit five. So we're going to have it there. Keep that day free. All right, we're going to have food trucks and, we, and we're going to celebrate big time. Come on, let's give one a clap offering. 25 years! That's why it's very distinctive this year. But, my, but what is so distinctive about 25? Listen. 25 is a silver anniversary. Silver in the Bible always speaks of redemption. Always, silver in the Bible represents redemption. How do I know? All the sockets in the tabernacle of Moses is made of silver. So that there is a separation between the tabernacle of God and the earth. You and I, in the New Testament, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we need to separate ourselves, redeem. You are the redeemed ones. Silver always represents redemption. Numbers chapter 3 
verse 46 to 49, tells us of an incident where during the time when the angel of death passed by the Israelite camp in Goshen, it passed them by. But all the firstborn males of Egypt, including Pharaoh's firstborn son, was slain. Altogether, there was 22,273 firstborn males in the Israelite camp that was spared. And God then said to the Israelite camp, I demand that for every male that was saved, you give me one Levite to be a priest unto the Lord, one life for one life. And they counted the Levitical tribe and found that there were only 22,000 Levites. In other words, there was 273 short. What did God say? For every one of the Levites that is short, you give five shekels of silver for each one. So Moses collected the redemption money. The silver represents redemption. For every one of the 273 males, Levites that were short, you collect back five. It's not a mount, it's a representation. Silver represents redemption. So now if I were to relate it now to SIBKL this year, and I want to thank you for coming to this church. God has brought you here. This year, I want to believe that for you and for me and for all of us in this family, 2019 is going to be a year of redemption. Come on, let's give God a clap offering. It's going to be a year of redemption in the spiritual sense, translated into our everyday walk. What do I mean by that? I want to believe that this year in SIBKL, God will restore back to you the years the locusts have eaten. Many of you have squandered away your time, squandered away many things. Redeem back your time, Ephesians 5. Redeem back your gifts and your talents. Redeem them back again so it's not squandered and wasted away. God is going to redeem back your family. You know how many wayward children are there in this church? Many families have come to me, Pastor, pray for me, pray for me. My, 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 my child overseas has not come to church anymore, they've gone to drugs. You know how many families are fractured? I want to believe that marriages will be restored. There will be forgiveness and reconciliation in the home. You go and read today in your, in your bulletin, the testimony of Mike Wong. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed how there can be reconciliation in the home. I want to believe that for this year in SABKL, there will be a redemption of health. You'll get your health back. Why? Because 2019 is a year of redemption. Journey with me. Journey with me, my friend. Journey with me. 
I myself, I'm not very clear how things will pan out, understand? I'm not sure. But I'm willing to take it one step at a time. We will go further. We will go deeper in our walk with the Lord. And by the end of the year, all of us will love Jesus more. Amen? We will love Jesus even more. We will love our family even more. We will learn to prioritize our time. We will learn to, to, to know what is of God, what is not of God. Understand? And it will be translated into your entire life. The way you walk, the way you live. Hallelujah. It's going to be an awesome year, friend. It's going to be an awesome year. Finally, the third thing. Oh, I'm so sorry. The second one is so important. So important. That's why I, I needed time. Right? It's okay with you. You spend another, give me five more minutes on that, that there about okay with you. I need help to pastor this church. Church growth principle stipulates there is one pastor for every 200 congregations. I did my master's uh, in church growth, so I know what I'm talking about. That's why the church grows. Uh, so I, 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 I'm practicing what I've learned in Bible school. One pastor for 200 congregations. Anything more than that, the, the sheep are not kept for well. We have 4,500 people here, including children in this church. So in other words, I need 22 pastors. But I've only got 13 pastors. So in other words, I'm nine pastors short. Provided we don't grow this year. So I said, Lord, what shall I do? The Lord said, appoint lay pastors. So this year, we have appointed lay pastors. And these are the criteria. You must have a calling, a track record. You're well respected in the marketplace, in the church. You have a heart for the house. You own the vision of the house and it's only for three years. In other words, it's not a life sentence. It's only for three years that is the exit clause. After three years, you decide you don't need it, it's fine with me. So we have identified three people who, are, who have appointed lay pastors. Pastor Ting and Shirley, Pastor Stephen and Sue, Pastor Aaron and Lini. Whoa! So at the leaders advance this year in November, we prayed for them in front of the leaders. And clearly, I can't pray for them here. I'll pray for them in front of the church in the next service. So we prayed for them at the leaders advance in November last year. We also prayed for Pastor Joel. All right, this Pastor Joel, who's going to be the pastoral intern. So now, I've got 13 plus 4, 17 pastors. I'm still 5 short. Provided we don't grow. He will grow. But praise the Lord, I've got now 4 more pastors who will help me pastor the flock. But we also, what we did this year, we also we appointed a new elder in Elder Bernard B. Previously, he was an elder before. Even as I said, can I invite uh, Bernard and Chu to come up and we we'll pray for them? Come on, let's give God a clap offering. Whoa! 
Can I ask Master Lee Chu to come up as well? Both Bernard and Chu were actually el were elders before for many years, and then about 10 years ago, uh, uh, Bernard left or thereabouts, left for Singapore to work, and, uh, and he's come back again to the house, so yeah. it, it's, it's clear when we look for a candidate, and we have not had a candidate now for almost 10 years now, and uh, there are only six elders in this house, huh? out of 4,500, only six elders, why? Because the elders are the fathers of the house. The elders also disciplined me one more. Who sacked the pastor? The elders. So I'm not beyond one another. So who disciplined the pastors? The elders. The elders are the fathers of the house. They make sure that the pastors behave themselves. So this is how the, the thing works in this church. So let's stretch our hands. Should we do that? Let's all stand. Should we all stand? Oh, Ramanda Let's commit Elder Bernard and his dear wife Chu and a lovely family of Chris Wee and Sam Wee and Jason. They have three boys, all really doing very well. There's one thing we always look for. They must have a family that honors the Lord. So praise God. Father, we want to commit Elder Bernard Wee to you. We pray God that you will bless him that even as he willingly step forward Lord, to take up this role as the father of the house is a very serious role accountable only to you because this house is your house this house belongs to you and so father god even as bernard and Chu and support with the, of their own family take up this role for this year and the years that come by ahead you enable him empower him give him the affirmation and the assurance that you will never leave him nor forsake him that he will do a good job to be the father of the house and father we want to commit his whole family to you now even as he take care of your house you take care of his house take care of your house you take care of his house so we bless him we bless him lord and we as a church will support him, journey with him, so that together we will follow Jesus. Together we will follow Jesus. In Jesus' precious name we pray, not because people say aloud. Yeah. One more time, let's give God a good time offering. Please be seated. Please be seated. I haven't finished yet. Give me one minute. The last thing, the third thing is a revival in Sabah and Sarawak. Alright, this year, alright, keep the day free. August and Kuching, alright, it's going to be massive, alright, keep the day free and then next week I'm going to share with you a message entitled Majak Mansang Kamua that's Iban, alright, we don't know what it means come next week, you will know what it means alright, I will share a lot about East Malaysia, you'll be blessed as how God has used us to bless East Malaysia and we will continue on this line, amen Alright, so God has called us really to, to impact the, 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 the East Malaysians and I want to say this to you, alright, don't keep up with the Kardashians, keep up with the Kardashians. <laughs> Let's stretch our hands to the Lord. Jesus. Father in Jesus' name, you see these hands, stretch out to you Lord. It denotes that we surrender. It denotes Lord that we yield. 
it denotes, Lord, that we not give up, but give in to you because you have spoken. You are the Lord, you are the master of our lives. May we live our lives, Father Lord, congruously. May we live our lives in a true follower of Jesus Christ. So that people looking at us will read us and we see no one except Jesus Christ written right across the way we work, the way we conduct our lives in the family and in the workplace. Father, this year, we're going to step forward and move with you. Follow you. Follow you. Help us, Lord, we pray, as a family. Help us, Lord, we pray, as a church. That everything that we do will only seek to honor Jesus, glorify your name. Father, we want to pray that this year is the year of redemption. It's a year, Lord, when you redeem back everything that has been lost our joy, our peace. Everything that has been lost to the evil one will be brought back and more. So, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I speak wholeness healing, restoration, redemption to every one of you and your family and your work and your business. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you this day. May the Lord make His face always to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, the good Lord, turn His face upon you and your loved ones and always grant you shalom shalom in jesus name we pray and of course people say aloud let's give god a good crime offering Whoa.